Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Good morning and welcome back. It's Wednesday. It is the hump day of love. Our favorite day at Cliff Central, obviously, because it's rookies and rock stars. My girl, my wingman, Prudence, is not doing life with us today, I'm afraid. It's actually, I think we need to chat about this because I think this is a major, 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 major part of, of the country we live in. She, she had a car accident and her car is obviously being fixed. And now she was saying to me the, on the phone this morning, after three years of not getting into a taxi, she's trying to find her way f- from, I think, Kill, Kill Park or, I, I, I don't know, where, Kepler Park, Kepler Park, some, on the other end of the other end of the other end and shame. She just couldn't, couldn't be with us. But Miss Prue, we know you, we know you on streaming us on your phone. So that's the, the most important part that you are here with us in, in, in spirit, you know, on, on rookies and rock stars. So we miss you. Sorry you can't be here with us, but we are in studio nevertheless. And as I said, welcome. We are obviously talking around a topic that I feel that actually both Miss Pru and I feel is very relevant in this country, where the youth go to to build their education, to get experience, whether it's academically, creatively, in the design fields, whatever it is. And we're not sure whether you are in a position to have been given that privilege or not, but what we do like to do is just chat to different kinds of organizations, different schools, different colleges, and just hear about you know what their students are doing what they're getting up to and encourage you that if you feel you're at that stage where you want to do it or or you want to go back and do it that you can and also I think what's really important is that you don't feel that your education or anything about your qualifications or certain things you did or didn't achieve will hold you back and so Miss Prue found this super cool dude, and this is what he had to say around education. You know, as we begin to think about goals and dreams, given my circumstances, born in an abandoned building on a floor, being adopted, being labeled educable, mentally retarded, failing twice in school, no college training, never worked for a major corporation, to believe that I had something of value. Have you ever thought about something you wanted to do? and you talk yourself out of it. It's very important to realize that I I found that most people fail in life not because they aim too high and miss. Most people fail in life because they did just like I did for so many years. They aim too low and hit. They didn't believe in themselves. So I want you right now to revisit and look at your goals and dreams and let's raise the bar. And I want you to say with me, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. I can do this. I can make this happen. No matter how bad it is or how bad it gets, I'm going to make it. It's possible. A very cool dude from a series called Being Great. So just remember, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. You you do have what it takes. And there are so many undiscovered places in this country that are offering you platforms to do that. And one of the guests we have had before here on Rookies and Rockstars was from this organization. It is the Design School of Southern Africa. And we spoke to one of their designers, Zandili and Corsi, who we'll give a call to just now. But before we do that, 
Um, it's their 25-year anniversary celebration, which is massive for them. It's the Silver Jubilee for the design school. And so one of the reasons why we are chatting to them is, as I said, we want you to know about all the different kinds of organizations that can feed you the qualifications or education that you're looking for in these kinds of niche markets. So joining me today is one of the program managers from the graphic design department, Carmen Baxter. Welcome, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I think that you get to head up quite a cool part of, of the school because it seems to be a massive, massive growing industry, graphic design. Is that right? Yeah, that's very, very true. Um, it is quite a, quite a large market out there and um, there are quite a few institutions that do offer graphic design as a qualification for students to study and to pursue. Um, and yeah, it's an awesome, awesome department to, to head up and we've got quite a lot of interest um, from students that want to come and study graphic design, um, ranging from grade 10s up to matric. Um, yeah. Oh wow! So yes. is that is that how early it starts in in terms of them applying for your is your is it does the school cap the certain amount of entries? Or how does it work? We don't cap the amount of entries that we um, the entrance that we accept into the course. Okay. Um, our classes, however, we do keep them quite small. So if we if we do see that our classes are getting a bit too large, we tend to split them. Okay. Um, so we do keep quite small classes for that individualized attention between the student and the lecturer. So, yes, we do see students coming from as young as grade 10 to come and inquire about graphic design and the career opportunities within graphic design. Um, mostly they do, yeah, they do, sorry, they do um, apply in matric. Okay, and then, so, because uh, I, I guess they also need to decide, grade 10 makes sense, because do you, does, does them wanting to come to the DSSA affect their subject choice? We, we don't have, um, requirements for subjects. It's obviously a, ben, it's beneficial if you do have art as a subject, but more and more we see that the high schools don't offer art as a subject in, mm. um, high school. Okay. So what we do, the way we've designed our program is to cater for students who haven't had art history or, or visual arts or graphic design as a subject. So we build our students up from the ground. Okay. We take them as if they've had no formal training whatsoever. And um, that just allows us to cater for those students who haven't had the opportunity to explore but do have the talent and the skill and the passion for pursuing a career in creative arts. That's so cool. And so how... Or, or rather, why did you choose to head up graphic design? Is is that something that you were passionate about from the beginning, or did you change, or what was the what's your journey been? Oh yes, no, I was studying. I I did art in high school. Um, I was always passionate about art, drawing from a very very young age. Um, it almost seemed a very natural progression to for me to move from studying art in high school to studying graphic design, which was the next best thing. Um, I studied information design at a university, which is like graphic design. And um, I worked as a graphic designer for a short period of time. After that, I moved over to an advertising agency where I worked as an account manager. Nice. So that was a little bit of a change. 
Um, we're no longer yoga. doing design in the in the AE role. No, no, not doing any design, oh, but wow. managing the design team and and oh, and getting the client briefs and dealing with clients, which was a great um, experience. And it's something that um, an experience like that is something that you can always plug into your classrooms, um, teaching your students about how to deal with clients and how to deal with an account manager or a traffic manager um, in a studio environment. So I worked as an account manager and um, I always knew that one day I was going to end up in education. Um, I didn't realize it would happen as soon as it did. But I, yes, I applied for a job at the Design School of Southern Africa approximately three years ago. And I worked as a graphic design lecturer for about a year and then I was appointed as then the head of department to manage the department for across the all three campuses, which is Durban, Pretoria and Johannesburg. And nice. then very recently our, our titles got changed to a very nice fancy new name and we get we're getting called program managers. And um yeah, we deal with academic content and academic related issues across the, the three campuses for the students. Okay, and I, I was having a read around the different departments or kind of categories that there are, how do you, when a potential student comes in and they (laughs) think that their main skill lies in graphic design or lies in fashion or interior design, is there some sort of assessment that you do with them or some sort of screening process that happens to help them understand that actually, yes, you you are gifted in this area or actually it's not so much graphic design, but we think you'd really, really, really do well in fashion design. How do you do that? We've been very lucky in the sense that the students that do come for um, assessments or for an interview consultation with us, they're quite determined and they're, and they're quite certain about the the discipline that they want to pursue. So it's very rare that we do get students that are undecided or in between. And if they are, what we do is we have the consultations with all the program managers with the student. So the student will sit with the graphic design program manager. Um, if they're still undecided, they would sit with the interior design program manager or the fashion design program manager, etc. Okay. Um, in terms of assessment, it's, it's merely a consultation with the lecturers. So we can really discern quite a bit about the student based on a one-on-one conversation that we have with them. So... Just based on me chatting to you directly, I can already tell whether or not you are going to fit within the program. Um, okay. And if you do, then if, if you don't, I would refer you to uh, the other program managers and they would sit with you and discuss the options there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there's not really ever, because I'm just trying to think around, I often see students rerouting almost halfway through their degree because yeah. they think in the beginning, they, you know what you like when you're 18 years old, you yeah. think you've written the book of knowledge, which is amazing on its own. I think <laughs> I thought I'd written five, but you're so determined to do what you think you are good at. And then halfway through the degree, you're like, flap, I hate this, or I really love it. I'm going to choose it as, a, you know, I'm going to master in it or, or, or do anything to that extent. Mm. So it's uh, that's just kind of where I was at because I wondered, you know, they, they might be determined in the beginning and then halfway through they're like, Ish, you know, I'd actually far rather design dresses than I would homes. 
And that's perfectly natural. Um, it's perfectly natural to come to that conclusion halfway through your studies. And it's all about you and your personal development. So if you decide a year into the graphic design program that maybe you'd be more suited for interior design or fashion design, the opportunity is there for you to switch over, um, knowing that you are going to be missing out on the time that you spent um, studying the graphic design program. But it's all about the student's personal development and where they see themselves in the future. So if they do come across a problem like that, we encourage them to find their feet and to find out exactly what they want to do. Um, and I believe that as, as while you're still young, um, give it a go. If, if you want to change your mind, change your mind and try something else until yeah. you find something that you are passionate about, something that you believe that you can do for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And in terms of your, your, Curriculum, inverted commas, mm-hmm. because I'm sure this is far more creative than a normal kind of, you know, <laughs> UNISA or whatever it is. But how do you, with someone who's older, so mm-hmm. if you're listening to what Carmen is saying and you're currently in a corporate job and you're thinking, I'd love to do a design course, how common then do we, uh, how does the, does your organization allow that? Do you allow a 35, 40-year-old person to come in, or is it only 8 to 5, or are there night classes? How do you work? Um, at the moment, we do offer full-time qualifications, so it is from the morning until 5 o'clock. Um, it's obviously flexible depending on the way the timetabling and the scheduling has worked out. Um, but yeah, it is unfortunately full time at the moment. Okay. We do have older students and more mature students that do decide that they want to come and study full time qualifications. And then it's always, it's, it's just a matter of them. Um, and we do find that the more mature students are a little bit more determined. Um, so they don't mind sitting in a class of 18 year olds, uh, 25 year olds. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's, so you're all there to learn the same thing. There isn't a cut of age. Um, in terms of part time, we do have a part time qualification. Um, we've got the honors in graphic design, which runs in the evening. Um, okay. And then we do also have quite a few short learning programs or short courses that are offered um, in the evenings and on the weekends. Okay, because I also see, I mean, you guys have produced, there's been two kind of award-winning students who've come out of the school, one of which I said, and we're just having a little bit of a challenge with her signal and her mobile phone, so we may not be able to touch base with her at the moment. But she was in here actually when we when we had Suzanne Haynes, which was such a privilege. Suzanne Haynes is one of South Africa's leading fashion designers and just taking the world by storm. We actually need to get in touch with her. She was busy with an amazing project. Someone had commissioned her from Portugal. I think wow. it was Portugal to to kind of reinvent that sh- like shwe shwe fabric and give her mm. take on, you know, so it was beautiful. And Zandile and Corsi had just won that Sansui Cup um, prize for yes. having designed the best dress and all that. So th- that's always merit to the college. I mean, it's lovely, you know, like for Westfall Boys High, it's great to say Chad LeClaire used to swim in our school, mm. all those kinds of things. So you're obviously doing a really good job from from a, you know, teaching program management point of view, do you, do you encourage, how do you encourage them to believe? So beyond the skill mm. and beyond the actual learning and academic side, are there, do teachers or are there facilities that also help them mentally and psychologically to just, you know, if they're hitting barriers, if they, those kinds of things, do you assist the students with that? 
We've got a very strong student support system on campus. Nice. Um, it goes to as as much as if we notice that a student is not attending class or they've missed three consecutive classes, or we, we are going to phone you. We're going to find out what's happening. Um, why aren't you coming to campus? Um, what's the reason for your marks? So we've got a very strong student support system on the campus for the students if they are struggling. And um, what is... What is awesome about the small classroom experience for the students is that you've, you, you, you start developing a relationship with your lecturers, um, a relationship that isn't necessarily present in larger universities. So we get to know you one-on-one. We get to know your, your personality. We get to know and see if something is not going right. Um, if you are slowly starting to slack off, we can identify that purely because we've got that relationship with you. So because of the small classes, we are able to identify the students that are struggling and the students that need a little bit of extra motivation, a little extra push or a little extra bit of love. Um, and, and that's great about having smaller classes for for these type of students. Yeah, so I guess you can identify. Yes. You, can, you know, so – and then what is the – because often with – Advertising schools like, you know, Vega or Red and Yellow, all those kinds of schools, there is a large tendency for corporates to kind of almost poach those students out of those schools. Is it the same with the DSSA? Do you find you guys are having awesome relationships with corporates who are waiting? Well, not corporates, but Mm -hmm. I mean, say, for example, a fashion label might want to take two interns every year once they've done their course with you guys. Is that what happens? Is that something oh, that students yes. can, can look forward to as a positive? Oh, yes. No, definitely. Um, I can use this year as an example with my last year graduates. Um, by, I would say, about March, April already, I had um, all of them already placed in jobs, and I had to start turning companies down saying, listen, sorry, um, wow. there are no more graduates for me to refer you to. Or to yeah for internships or anything. So I would say about middle middle April already, um, our graduates are already all snatched up and in full time employment. Those that aren't in full time employment, they have decided to go the freelancing route, which is also quite a lucrative career opportunity in South Africa at the moment for graphic designers. So yeah, um, the placement for the students is phenomenal. And I guess, does that come from the credibility of the organization? Because 25 years to still be going strong and growing yes. is a phenomenal achievement. Yeah. Do, 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 do you program managers sit and decide or, or kind of market it that way to the students as well, to, to encourage them to enroll? So not only will we give you – because I, I see Leslie Sternberg, who, who was the founder yes. um, before it, it, it was acquired, which is also awesome um, for her as an entrepreneurial story on its own. But before it was acquired, I, I saw she, she quoted, it, it is her mission to constantly offer superior education that is relevant to the contemporary needs of the industry. So not mm-hmm. only are you guys sitting and offering these guys excellent education, but do you tell them that there is also a large, large possibility because of the organization you're choosing that mm-hmm. you can get a job? Or do you not if, do if that? If it does come up in a conversation, yes, we can answer it. Um on open days with parents, for example, they do request that type of information because parents do want to know that once their student, once they, their children have done the three years, are they going to get a job? Um, so if it does come up in conversation, yes, we do, we do punt it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's as far as we go with okay. it. But, um, 
Yeah. But I, I guess it, it, it is really an awesome benefit of being at the DSSA. Oh, yes. I mean, I know you can't, it would probably be to your detriment if you yes. said, not only can you learn, we will also get yes. you a job because it's not guaranteed. It's not a guarantee. Yes. But I mean, you do have organizations who are trusting yes. your name and your reputation that what you're teaching and who you produce will be worth them poaching. Yes. And a lot of the organizations that do approach us have um, some of our past graduates, so it is a word of mouth, um, a word of mouth marketing thing. So they, they do have graduates that that work with them at the moment, and they've seen the quality of our graduates, which is why they constantly approach us year on year. And so, guys like Tuami Zulu, the guys who have actually won awards and are, are very well established in the industry, do they ever come back and speak to the students? Do you ever ask them? Oh yes, we've had Tuami come in and do guest lecturing for us um, after he graduated. So yeah, we do definitely encourage um, the past graduates and the ones that have got the accolades to come and speak to our students and um, motivate them and, and show them what the end goal is. That's, that's, uh, and that's, that's awesome because I think that's what you gotta do. It's almost like the rugby players, you know, that, that go back to their schools or, or tennis players or swimmers that go mm-hmm. back to their schools and just motivate because I think if that founda- that foundation was laid by the organization, it's almost like paying it forward just mm-hmm. to say, actually, it doesn't matter who I'm gonna become now, how much money I'm gonna make, how well I'm gonna be doing in my field, I owe, you know, a large part of what I've achieved to my education. Mm, so yeah. I think it's, I think it's really cool. So we, we are, we are still unfortunately battling to, to chat to Zandili and Corsi, which is a shame, but we'll, we'll see if we can get on the line. But I, you know, these cell phones are a bit of an art me. So, I mean, is it, in terms of your new semester now that starts next week? Yes. Is there anything new and exciting that you're introducing? Should people be on the lookout for, do you know, amongst the others, the fashion, the interior design? I know you head up graphic design. Yes. But are, are you guys looking at, how are you, how are you on the forefront of graphic design? Because it's a pretty cutthroat industry. So in order to, to stay relevant, um, within the industry, we do look at our content on a semester to semester basis. So we do redevelop, um, the content to make sure that what we're offering the students is relevant. Um, we look at the competitions that are running, the industry competitions, and we try and plug those in to our curriculum as well. So, yeah, in terms of relevancy, we do update on a, on a constant basis for the students. Um, there are quite a few couple of exciting things coming up. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to say it out loud. <laughs> oh, why? Yeah. Um, no, look, it's still in the planning phase. So for, for the, the, the campuses, there are quite a few exciting things for the graphic designers nice. um, for next semester that they can look forward to. They're all uh, getting free Macs. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> They'll love you guys. They'll enroll tomorrow. Um, cool. So if, if any of this, if it, if you are, are wanting to, in, if you're in a stage in your life now where you're wanting to kind of pursue either getting a qualification in interior design, graphic design, art and design, fashion design, the Design School of, of Southern Africa is really a place that you, you probably want to have a look at, check them out, go chat to any of the program managers or anyone on campus who can help you. The new semester does start next next week, but you can also have a look at its designschoolsa.co.za. That's correct. Does that have 
all the different so fashion, yes. graphic design. It's got everything there for them to understand. Yes, it's got all our course offerings, um, our full-time qualifications, part-time qualifications, and the short learning programs as well. Wonderful. Yes. So, I mean, Carmen, thank you for coming in. It's it's always such a such a pleasure to to chat to people who are choosing a career to educate others because I think that it doesn't matter whether you're teaching a grade one student or whether you're teaching you know at, at a creative level or whether you're a professor teaching scientists mm. I think the teaching is such a gift and so thank you for for offering that to our youth and to the more mature students <laughs> uh, either way you know it, it's it's a gift and and so thank you for doing that because if South Africa if the youth particularly can be in the right environment at the right time of their life, I believe that, you know, flourishing is, is almost inevitable. Mm-hmm. So thank you and, and congratulations to the DSSA on, on the 25 year Silver Jubilee kind of celebration. What, what, a, what an exciting time for you guys also and, and congratulations on your new post. Thank you very much. I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll teach that, that lot a, a great deal. And <laughs> uh, we look forward to seeing more names in, in the newspapers that are, are expats or ex-students of the DSSA. So thanks for coming in. And uh, please keep in touch. Let us know what's mm. happening. And I'm sure we will have you back in, in, in no time. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. So we will be back after the track. Stay with us. It's Rookies and Rockstars where we feed you as much positivity and solution-driven information about how to do life with myself and Miss Prue. Bye. Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. Welcome back to Rookies and Rockstars. So encouraging to hear what the youth are getting up to at the DSSA, studying design, fashion, graphic design, so many wonderful things going on from a creative point of view. It's it's just so cool to see, and I hope that more and more and more people enroll to feed the creative juices of, of our country, of the brands that exist, creating employment, doing so much. And congratulations again to them on their 25-year anniversary. Very cool to see. We are in our week where we are obviously chatting to teachers, authors, because I'm a firm believer that education, reading, knowledge is a fundamental part of your growth, even if it's not in a business and it's in your own personal growth. Knowledge is power. The more you read, the more you just fill yourself with substance that is going to help you become a better you, the better. And one of the things that's really close to my heart are books. I'm, I'm still a firm believer in the, in the soft or hardback because I know that uh, Kindle and all the other tablets would murder me if I, if I said anything other than that. But I'm still a firm believer in it. And that's why we were very lucky to get hold of of a South African author, Susan Ray Fox. We will be chatting to her now. We're going to try and see if she's on the line. Sue? Yes, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to talk to you. Oh, what a, what a, what a pleasure. You're still in St. Francis making us all feel like vomiting? Yes, I'm still in the most beautiful part of the whole wide world. Very happy. <laughs> oh, it's, you deserve it. You deserve it. If, if you're going to produce books that you produce, then you may as well be in the most beautiful environment, I guess. It's very creative, this environment. It's a very stimulating place because it's so serene and so peaceful and it's utterly exquisite. Oh, 
sounds sounds amazing. So Sue, obviously what what triggered our interest is that we on Rookies and Rockstars love interviewing authors because it's obviously something that I think people underestimate. I I I'm I'm halfway through a book and I can tell you now it's it's people are like ah oh, just write a book and it really is a journey that's not <laughs> a lot easier said than done. Yes, I think it is. It's it's not an easy ride. Um but I think like everything in life it gets easier as you go along the, the way. You know, I think my first two books I found much more difficult to write than my third book which has come much more easily because I've had some practice. So it's not easy but it's but it's a wonderful way to spend your life. Yeah, and I I just want to go back before we, before we chat around the books and and the author part of your career, I I had a just a, did a little bit of of research into to where you started when you were in corporate. Um, you were quite yes. involved with the marketing side of things. How yes. how did you trans? What was the trigger for you and and the the kind of transition from taking that leap into moving to St. Francis to write books? Well, I'll tell you, I started my career in journalism. So I worked on magazines, and then I was poached um, by um, an, an ad agency in, in, um, in Durban, and I worked in advertising promotions um, for 29 years, which is a really long time. And during that time, I didn't do any creative writing other than copywriting, um, but writing on brief, so nothing that that was written specifically for me. It was always writing to please a client. And then obviously marketing strategies, that sort of thing. Um, you never lose the ability to write. I would say that working in advertising honed my writing skills, um, not my creativity, but certainly my writing skills, and taught me to write to deadline, which is, which is very important if you're going to try and turn your writing into a career. At the back of my mind, all through my career, I knew that at some point I, I wanted to write novels. I've always had that dream. It's always been something I've held dear. And the moment I could do it, I did it. I, I flung myself into it. And because you read voraciously all through your life, um, you are so stimulated by the work of other women, other men, um, there are some wonderful writers out there at the moment, and I found them all terribly inspiring. And it, it didn't take long to kickstart a novel, and, and, and this is where I am today. I just love it. It wasn't a difficult transition, not at all. So I, I, it's always different for every person, and because so many, there's so many external factors that affect that decision to leave that secure salary and job, and you know you've been involved in the corporate world for so long. Were were you in a position where you had a buffer to do that? Because for anybody out there who wants to do the same thing, I always try and unpack the story because that's really what what keeps the aspect the aspiring writers going because I think so many people especially in this country and globally are bound by the fear of not knowing and also making a conscious decision to leave the salary behind to pursue the passion look I can tell you now that I'm not going to make money through my writing that's a fact so I what I've done is I have um, I've, I've, I challenged myself to work really hard in, in, in advertising and promotions. I became the, the envy of the business. 
I was, we were very successful. I was paid extremely well. And it's on the back of that that I can now indulge my passion. Um, I have probably spent more money um, getting my books published than I will ever make <laughs> in selling them. And that's the, the sad news. Um, and I think we're, we're, in, we're at a sort of cusp at the moment in the whole publishing industry, and it's really difficult to get published. Um, and having said that, it's also really difficult once you're published to get um, the retailers to stock your book. Oh. And, you know, the whole thing is, I don't, want to, I don't want to dissuade anyone. I think brilliant writing will find its own place, and it does. But it's a long, hard journey, and one should never do it for money. You should do it because, because you have a passion, because you're driven with a need to write, and because it gives you great pleasure. But it will have to be your night job rather than your day job because it, it will not, certainly initially, it will not give you money to survive. You'll never be able to survive on writing unless you are one of those rarities, um, the very successful author who sold all over the world. And who you spoke just now about how a lot of the other authors inspire you to obviously also keep going in your own journey. Who are some of your favorite authors? Gosh, you know, I have so many. Um, some of them are dead. John Updike, who's now dead, is, is a brilliant author who's, who's definitely been a great inspiration for me. Um, Gail Godwin, Anita Shreve, Margaret Jabble, Carol Shields, Maggie O'Farrell. I don't know if any of these names are ringing bells with you. Anna Quindlen, Patrick Gale. You know, there are fabulous writers out there at the moment. And I must say, I am so delighted at how many wonderful women writers are coming to the fore. Um, I, I think it's an exciting time for literature. But having said that, because of this transition from traditional publishing to digital publishing, it's also a very difficult time. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like the musicians, they're facing a similar dilemma. They are, exactly. It's, it's not, it, it's it not ideal. Long term. Yes, no, it's not ideal. It really isn't. No. It makes it extremely difficult. No, when you mention all those authors, it's like when I sit in the room with Gareth, I sit there and he's possibly one of the most educated human beings I've ever spoken to in my life. And he's, he looks at you like you've just said to me, you know, are any of these names ringing bells? And I, I look at him and I'm like, no, why are you so clever? Like, why, why, why are you going to be like that? Why make me feel like I don't know what you're talking about? Well, but, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not clever. It's just, it probably is an age general. There's probably an age gap here, maybe a generation gap here. These are probably older writers. So you're forgiven for not knowing them. <laughs> and, and just just a question which is quite relevant to me at the moment because I'm seven months pregnant and, and going oh, to be. Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And just That's just exciting. around just around reading because I often I go into vintage stores and, I, and I'm online. I, I buy them new. I buy them old. How important do you believe reading is for, you know, to start children at at a young age? I think it's everything. I think it's absolutely everything. I think it's in writing. You, in, you know, what you do in writing is you you encourage your mind to unlock from the humdrum, rational thinking of your life. In reading, you you find fantasy and dreams, and your world is enriched. And for children, it is so important to know that there are there's so much more than just what what they're you know they're they're experiencing at the moment. They need to grow their vocabularies. They need to grow their knowledge. They need to fantasize. 
you have such a rich, full life as a child if you if you're if you're given the opportunity to read and enjoy stories um, and not just sit glued to a television all the time. The printed word is still so vitally important, oh, and no. you know it also helps with communication. Um, <gasps> Absolutely, I would never have even thought that. Yeah, you know the communication is is changing, and um, writing is changing, and not for the better. Um, and if you look at texting and all the little messages that are coming through and how people are abbreviating, you know, the, the, the beautiful English is, is being lost. And it's a great tragedy. Oh, because no. there's nothing nicer than children exploring new words, um, visiting new places in their mind, understanding, you know, what's happening in the world. It's so important. I think it's one of the most important things you can do. Sure. No, I, I, I wouldn't have even, I didn't even think about communication. That's actually so true. Also, also, I think what, what it does do, what, what I don't agree with, and I know everyone's got their own parenting situ, you know, their own style and, and whatever, uh, each to their own. But one thing that uh, an elderly lady said to me the other day, which I never thought about, she said, you know, Jade, don't confuse the poor child. Call it a train from the day it can understand it's a train. It's not choo choo. <laughs> Yes. It is a train. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, right. yes. teach them words so that once yes. they've learned train, they can move on to the next word. They don't have to go to school and say, oh, teacher, is that a choo-choo? And the teacher says, no, my darling, it's a train. Yes, you know, and exactly. it's like, but hold that's on, my so mommy right. said it's a choo-choo. So, <laughs> so from a vocab point of view, that's also true. I, 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 I'm, no, I'm so excited. I, I, I never had mm. it done. I never was, books were never read to me when I was small, and yet I love reading. So I'm lucky. Whereas, you are lucky. Whereas are I lucky. hope that, you know, in, in trying to instill it from a very young age that, our kids will want to, will want to read. And also around watching TV, my husband said we were in the Midlands and he just said to me, you know, how many children in Joburg do you ever think have held a frog? And, yes. and I looked at him and I thought, actually, it's such a weird question and so simple, but it's so true. They're on, mm. they're on iPads, they're on Xbox, absolutely. they're on, it's, it's absolutely mental. Whereas I love what you described in, in, in just revisiting different worlds in their imagination. And yes, that's what, and that's so, what the reading so will do. Yes, it will. It will. And it will, it, it will create so much excitement for them. It's very important. And Sue, your, your three books that you have written, which came yes. first? Was, was the St. Jude Chronicles 1 and 2 first, or did Unraveling come first? No, no. Unraveling is my latest book. Um, the St. Jude Chronicles came first. Um, and in fact, those two books were, were written about St. Francis. But I called the village St. Jude because when I was writing it, um, I didn't want to offend anyone by uh, calling a bird a wrong name or, or misnaming a shrub because there are a lot of people <laughs> in this area who are very passionate about the names of birds and shrubs. Oh, gosh, and I can only but imagine. Absolutely. So I called it St. Jude, and it became a mythical village, but in fact it is St. Francis. And the story was inspired by there are benches here overlooking the sea where there is a little inscription to, it says something like, to Pierre, Marilise, and I can't remember the third name, but to your spirit flying over the sea. Um, and it's, the story was inspired by three teenagers 
and this is true, getting into a rubber duck after a party in the afternoon, late afternoon, going out to sea, and they were never seen again. And that, I mean, it's a huge tragedy for the parents of those children and for the children, because, and in fact, they weren't children, they were teenagers, but, and nobody ever knew what happened to them. The boat was washed up in Cape Town somewhere, and that was the end of it. And I thought it would be wonderful to start a book that culminated in this boat going out from St. Francis, but not necessarily with teenagers on board, but with some characters on board. And the story would lead up to why those characters felt they had to leave the village. And I would explain what happened to them at the end. So that's the inspiration for the St. Jude Chronicle. Nice. Um, and um, unfortunately, what it was, was a very, very long book. And the publisher said to me, "Don't uh, you have to split it. You will have to put it into uh, a series because it's just, again, we get back to publishing. It was too expensive to publish an unknown author um, in a, you know, with a very large book that would take up a lot of shelf space. So I did that, and I'm very sorry I did because it's very hard to persuade people to buy two books from an unknown author. And the book is sort of cut in the middle, so... You, oh, you okay. Now I understand. Part. Okay. Mm. So, mm. so where can people buy the book? The books. Well, unfortunately, um, as in the case of most things, I would imagine by now the St. Jude Chronicles have been pulped. That's what generally happens to books. Um, they were published in London. Um, they were self-published. And I had them brought into this country, and I sold some in St. Francis, um, where I have my fan base. Uh, and I don't think it's extended very much beyond that. It was sold in a few exclusive book outlets, but it was hard to get in because it was two books. And the retailers were um, not excited about the concept of, public, of stocking two books and asking uh, buyers to purchase two. You know, um, it's a tough market at the moment. People are not buying as many books as they used to. No. Um, I think there may still be some copies on Amazon, okay. um, which is where it is. And um, But there are definitely copies of my third book, Unraveling, which I published last year. And we're also on Amazon. That's also on Amazon. Oh, yes. divine. It's okay. Also in, in, um, it's also in some uh, exclusive book outlets as well. Oh, awesome. So people can get those. I know my... Absolutely. My, you I, can order it. You can just order it and they will they will stock it for you. Wonderful. So, I mean, Sue, it's, it's, so, it's so encouraging to see that even though, yes, you may not have millions of dollars in, in the bank, it's so <laughs> wonderful to hear. And this is what the show is all about. I believe that South Africans are just bound by their own self-belief or or the lack of, um, to yes. not pursue what they should be because they just don't believe they can. So it's so awesome to chat to you just to encourage those who are, you know, doubtful about writing. And even if it's not writing, whatever it is, wherever you are at and you've listened to what Sue's had to say, just be encouraged that you can do it. You just have to begin, right, Sue? Absolutely. You just have to begin. That's all. It's such an interesting, exhilarating experience. You know, it engages all your intelligence. And it's, uh, it gives you freedom because you're doing what you love best. You're choosing your own story. You're inventing your own characters. You know, you're laying it all out. Um, and the freedom is also that you're working for yourself. You are, nobody cares whether you start or give up. 
you're free to do whatever you wish. You can make as many judgment calls as you like in any one day, and you don't have anyone looking over your shoulder or second-guessing you. It gives you such freedom. It's marvelous. Oh, I love it. So nice. Th- thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time. Thank I, you, thank I, you, when I'm in that part of the world, I'm deaf. Well, I'll probably, knowing my nature, I'm probably definitely going to contact you before because I love, I love fountains of knowledge that exist out there like yourself. So, so I'm definitely going to be Part someone of who will. <laughs> Jane, send me, send me your email address and I'll send you a copy of my book. Wonderful. We'll, we'll share it with the team here and, and get them to, oh, we'd love that. So, um, keep Very going, special. keep writing, enjoy oh, some, enjoy St. Francis and thank you for chatting to us and, and being a South African who's doing what the heart wants it to do. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so sweet. Awesome. We will be in touch and take care and thanks again for your time. And thank you, Jade. I really appreciate it. Okay, Sue. Bye. Bye. Awesome, guys. So it's, it's really is no matter where you are, what situation you're in, just be inspired by what other South Africans are doing, knowing that it's not just them that can do it. You can also do it yourself. And you might not believe it, but we found a clip from uh, I actually don't think you will believe it, but we're going to play it for you anyway. Arnold Schwarzenegger is obviously, you know, was governor and all those things. And we we took this little part from from actually him speaking to to a group of aspiring youth overseas. And it is interesting just to hear what he had to say. So we just leave you with this. And straight after that, we will be saying goodbye. People ask me all the time. They say to me, what is the secret to success? The first rule is trust yourself. But what is most important is that you have to dig deep down, dig deep down and ask yourselves, who do you want to be? Not what, but who. And I'm talking about not what your parents and teachers want you to be, but you. I'm talking about figuring out for yourselves what makes you happy, no matter how crazy it may sound to the people. So rule number one is, of course, trust yourself no matter how and what anyone else thinks. And of course, rule number two is break the rules. We have so many rules in life about everything. I say break the rules, not the law, but break the rules. It is impossible to be a maverick or a true original if you're too well behaved and not want to break the rules. You have to think outside the box. That's what I believe after all. What is the point of being on this earth? All you want to do is be liked by everyone and avoid trouble. The only way that I ever got any place was by breaking some of the rules. Right, so we leave you with that today. Thanks for joining us on Rookies and Rockstars. We'll be back next week, Wednesday. We hope that the rest of your week is wonderfully positive. Be kind to yourself and remember that the most important person's opinion is your own and how you talk to yourself matters a whole heap. So stay positive and we will be back next week on Rookies and Rockstars between 10 and 11.